Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. As always, my name is Brendan Lotz and joining me is a full squad, Tintin Matos, how are you doing? Um, better, still a bit sick, still a bit uh, coughing and sneezing, but much better than I was last week, uh, and, which is why I wasn't here. And Robert Lee Chetty, how are you doing this week? Uh, howdy, I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there, yeah. So it's been a very long week. Uh, very weird and hot week, like... Joburg weather, sorry, I'm I'm going off on the tangent here, but Joburg weather is really just the most confusing thing at the moment. Is it raining? Is it sunny? Who knows? Could be worse though. I could be in Cape Town last weekend where it was like 3,000 degrees in the shade. Uh, anyway, uh, let me stop talking about the weather. Uh, Clinton, you reviewed a new Pokemon game and yep. you thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it's shockingly. Um <laughs> So it's Pokemon Legends Arceus. It's a new spin-off game. And a lot of people, myself included, were very skeptical about this one. Um, the reason for that is you have to understand what the franchise has been doing um, during the Switch era. The mainline game, Sword and Shield, and all the other games that have released so far, um, they've just not been very good. Even the ones that have had uh, positive reception, such as the new Pokemon Snap, People talked about it a lot for a month, and then it came out, and then no one talked about it anymore. So, yeah, very low expectations, and people also worried because this, from the trailers at least, um, looked to do so much different compared to the original games. So, Game Freak, the developer, was kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, because... A big problem with the, the recent Switch games is that they were too samey and it wasn't inspired and we've seen all of this before. And then they said, okay, we're making this game and it looks completely different. But now it's a gamble as to whether they can do it. Because even though Game Freak was repeating themselves, at least they were doing something they were kind of good at. Even though Sword and Shield is widely regarded as not very good. And now that I've played it, um, I can't... I think the embargo is still up, I'm not sure... Uh, I can't tell you how long it is, but I, I can tell you how long I've played personally, and I've played about 30 hours now, and I've had fun for almost all of those 30 hours, and uh, I was one of those doubters when this game was revealed. So when you talk about this game and you look at trailers, a lot of people are going to say, hey, this kind of looks like Breath of the Wild, and that's not an unfair comparison to make because this is a third-person action RPG like Breath of the Wild. It is open world like Breath of the Wild, and... The art style is kind of similar, even though Breath of the Wild looks about 18 generations higher <laughs> in this game. And I'll get to why the game looks so bad in a bit. But it's very similar to, to Breath of the Wild in some respects, um, just not as good. Uh, <laughs> so what changes here is that you are in the past. You are in a region called Hisawi. Hisawi, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's the Sinnoh region that uh, came out a long time ago with Diamond and Pearl. But now you're in the past. And this is a time where people aren't living harmoniously with Pokemon. Pokemon are terrifying creatures. It's actually um, crazy how a lot of the people in the game talk about, oh, you know, a lot of people get injured or outright killed by Pokemon. I don't think they ever say um, killed. I don't think they ever use that word. But they do say a lot of people don't survive or a lot of people didn't come back to camp or things like that. So when you're talking about the series that has kind of been sold on the cuteness of Pikachu and stuff like that, for people to say, oh, I got uh, I got shocked by a, a wild Shinx, which is a, an electric-type Pokemon, and I was, you know, bedridden for a few days. You're like, oh, that's... <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that. This uh, electric uh, lion Pokemon, like, almost paralyzed me. That's not good to hear. So the way you interact with the world is completely different because you are running around as the player character, and the Pokemon can attack you directly. So uh, some context for that, because I know you guys don't play a lot of these games. Um, the other Pokemon games are grid-based. And then uh, the way you do combat is you send out a Pokemon and another trainer sends out a Pokemon and you guys battle it out, turn-based combat. And while that still exists in the game and is obviously a huge part of the game, the overworld is very hostile and Pokemon can attack you directly. And if you take too many pits, you get knocked out. The Pokemon can knock you out. <laughs> so... It's this weird hostile world that is really engaging because when you're running around, you know that you're not just going to find a very boring patch of grass and you're going to walk into the patch of the grass and there's going to be a Pikachu there. You're going to have to look and survey and be careful and you're going to have to find where the Pikachu are. And then you can't just go running in because the Pikachu might be several stages higher than you and can knock you out. So it's, 
it's so odd <laughs> to to say the least that they made these huge changes and every time you interact with one of these new mechanics you can kind of tell that all of this was a gamble right but at the end of the day almost all of the gambles have paid off so in terms of the main gameplay loop i'm very impressed and i have mostly good things to say i think now um around the 20 or 25 hour mark things started to become a bit repetitive uh, mostly because i had seen all the pokemon that the game had to offer and it became a bit um stale at that point um but also i just don't think that the loop that they created was meant to stretch for 40 or 50 hours but that looks how much uh, you'll have to play to 100 percent it um and another great thing is the animation. A big problem with Sword and Shield is that it had awful animation that was reused from previous games. And that's a whole other scandal in my written review. I have links to explain that whole thing. Um, and they redid a lot of the animations and a lot of 3D models, and it all looks great. Now, I have to stop this breathless praise because, man, this game is ugly. There's just, you know, there's no good way to say this. This game looks bad. I don't know. If you guys, when you saw my review, did you um, watch any of those trailers or have you seen this game before launch? Uh, I have seen it before launch, Clinton, and I thought that it was very bad looking. I can't yeah. say what I actually thought because that would uh, get us demonetized. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think it was a very nice looking game. Robin, have you seen it? Uh, yes, I, I'm pretty sure I edited your review. And from what I saw, yeah, it, it didn't look like it, supposed to be like a top tier pokemon game it looked like something that was kind of cobbled together very quickly so yeah it, visually speaking it wasn't very impressive yeah it, it looks like somebody made this in unity over the weekend for a game jam mm. and again i don't want to insult the developers but at the end of the day we are punching up pokemon is the biggest media franchise in the world um it makes billions of dollars every year you're going to tell me they couldn't invest uh, more time or more energy into making this game look better. This is a new game in 2022 that costs the equivalent of $60, which I think right now is about 1,300 Rand. So it, it's honestly not acceptable. And there's a lot of other parts which are also not acceptable, such as the fact that there is no voice acting in this. It's purely text. Um, a lot of the times when something happens, instead of uh, taking the time to animate it, the screen just goes black. And every time the screen went black, I just, you know, that, that price flashed in my head, 1,300 Rand for this, for a black screen. Um, so it doesn't look good. It doesn't run particularly well. Uh, this um, frame rate dips all the time. The pop-in is horrendous. I think it's the worst pop-in I've ever seen in a video game. I don't think your character can see more than 10 meters in front of them. And they don't do anything like um, smart fog or something like that to hide it. And it gets ridiculous because, like I said, a big part of this game is wandering around in the wild, in the grass, and looking for Pokemon. But Pokemon don't spawn in until they're right on your face. And th the people who came up with the, the design and the systems of the game are not the people who did the programming. And there's such a big disconnect because the designer said, okay, we want to make a game where you'll find a Pokemon out in the wild and you'll, you'll stalk it and you'll find it and you'll surprise it and you'll catch it, right? You need to be like a hunter. But then you can't see a Pokemon more than 10 meters in front of you. How are you supposed to do that? So a, a lot of people have said it's, it's been getting a lot of eights. Um, I gave it an eight out of 10 to spoil the end of my own review. A lot of people have said that they're happy that the game is better than we thought it was going to be. But these technical problems are so in your face and so apparent that you know that eight is um, not justified i don't know about that because i played a lot of indie games which i don't want to say look worse <laughs> i don't think you can find a new game that looks worse but i can forgive it to an extent but after a few dozen hours that uh it really got grating on me i just want to bring up some points of my review quick um do you guys have any questions about this and Again, we've talked about Pokemon in the past, and uh, I'm kind of just speaking to myself because you guys have never played any of the games. Hello? Uh, hi. Oh, sorry. Did... I thought you cut off there, Clinton. No, no, no. So uh, have you guys got any questions about the game? So what makes it fun? What makes it, like, sets it apart from all the Pokemon games? Like, 
I know you, you've gone over how the mechanics are different, but like, yeah. what is it that makes it so much more fun than the previous games? I think what makes it fun is that you're put in a hostile world that once you're dead, and you have to very slowly claw your way to the top of the food chain, basically. You start with a, a starter Pokemon, which is a very low-level Pokemon as your first one. Mm. And from there, you basically have to progress until you're technically fighting God. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys have heard of this meme, but Arceus, who's the, the title Pokemon of this game, he created the Pokemon universe, and eventually you fight him. So um, you start the game with, uh, you know, like a little uh, starter Pokemon that can't really do anything, and then you're fighting God after like 40 hours. So it's the classic um, RPG progression with starting with next to nothing. And then, you know, through your skill and your effort, you make something happen. So that's where the fun comes in. In the other Pokemon games, they were so easy that even though you had a bit of challenge and you also had to claw for what you want, it was so easy and the game held your hand so much that you didn't get that sense of accomplishment. And I don't know, sense of accomplishment is a kind of tainted phrase from the whole Star Wars uh, Battlefront 2 debacle. But yeah, the, the real sense of fun just comes from... Um, progression and it also comes from the fact that you are being shown pokemon um like you've never seen them before uh in other games you have seen wild pokemon wandering around but you've never seen them this far animated and this well realized where they feel more like uh real creatures so that's where the real fun of it comes in um robin do you have uh, any questions about this weird one yeah i think probably my only question would be around price you've kind of yeah. touched on the 1300 price tag yeah, let me let me make up. Is that something that you can stomach? Okay, so Pokemon's weird, right? Yeah, you want me to just say no? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell. I, and I'm okay. So it's not a thousand three hundred. I think I was looking at something out. It's one thousand one hundred twenty-nine. So I mean, it's still a, a hilariously large amount of money. Yeah. Um, can I stomach it? I don't know if I didn't get a review copy if I would have bought this game. I think I would have waited for a sale just because, you know, this is half the game's fault and half just me not wanting to spend a lot of money. So And it's January. So. Yeah. yeah, and it's Jan January is going on for 10 years. So I, I completely understand what you're saying, Robin. A at one point in my life, um, when Pokemon was more, I don't want to say it was more in the zeitgeist, um, back in the 3DS era when I think the series was in its heyday, um, I would have said yes, 100%. Now I'm not so sure because I got burnt by all these other Switch games, like I was talking about earlier. They, I don't say they've been on a downtrend, but they really haven't been exciting or new or fresh since then. So I think if one of my friends who is more like um, trusting of Game Freak, if they bought the game and then they said to me, you know, come over and check it out. It's so different. It really gets my recommendation. I think if I heard that from a friend, I maybe would have bought it um, uh, outright for the full, you know, 1,129 Rand price. Um, just going off of the trailers, I probably wouldn't have. Uh, the leaks and the, um, the first person testimonials about how good it is, they actually sold the game more than the trailers did. So it's funny, Nintendo is really strict on uh, spoilers, but I think spoilers actually sold this game to a lot of people. So yeah, it's it's very expensive and it's a Pokemon game. Um, the only thing I can say about that is I, I think a lot of people are going to end up spending like 50 hours in this game. So if you do the old, you know, how much am I paying per hour, then it looks a bit better. And also, um, because it's a Nintendo game, if you buy a physical copy, uh, you can sell that physical copy for the same price in like five years if you ever wanted to get rid of it. Um, the 3DS games, for example, that I was talking about, uh, you can actually sell them now for more than you bought them for um, 10 or more years ago. So, you know, swings and roundabouts. I understand it's a lot of money, but at least if you bought it um, as a physical cartridge, you could get some of that back. So that's Pokemon Legends Arceus. I don't know where the series goes from now because this is a spin-off game. And I would love for them to take the mechanics and how all of this works and just apply it to the next mainline game. But right now, we don't know if that's going to happen. Because was this a side project? Was this an experiment to see what people like? Um, is this the new blueprint for how the games are going to be made? I'm not sure. All I can tell you is that you can check out my review and I had a lot of fun with this one. Awesome.
Uh, check out Clinton's review at the bottom of this post, as always. Uh, I personally, Clinton, I think that they're A B testing. It, it really feels yeah. like they're A B testing, especially given how bad the game looks. I mean, yeah. I say bad, I don't mean that in like it a, looks bad. Yeah, it looks bad. The, at one point, I didn't get a screenshot of this because I just forgot. At one point, you go in a cave, mm. and I don't know what they did to the uh, post processing of the um, character models. But all of them like had an outline. Like somebody tried to make a PNG with a transparent background in paint, and they failed. Um, and it looked hilarious. All the characters walk around with this thick outline, like I don't know, like somebody drew over them or something. It, it looks bad. I, I'm willing to say that and get angry emails about it. <laughs> right. Let's get into some other news. Uh, in 2015, SpaceX launched a rocket from Florida that was carrying the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's Deep Space Climate Observatory. Woo, that's a mouthful. Uh, the Climate Observatory was destined to go to Lagrange Point L1, which uh, is on the opposite side of where the James Webb Telescope is. Uh, and that means that this satellite, or this observatory rather, is in direct line of the sun. That's not what's interesting, though. What's interesting is that the rocket that sent that observatory there is uh, scheduled to hit the moon on the 4th of March. That rocket belongs to SpaceX, um, and this is what happened. After launch, uh, the rocket's second stage was high enough that there was not enough fuel to bring it back to Earth. Uh, and in addition, the rocket couldn't escape the gravitational force created by the Earth and Moon. And as such, since 2015, this Falcon 9 rocket has been in a chaotic orbit. Um, and then this week, uh, an astronomer named Bill Gray, who develops the Project Pluto software that allows uh, amateur and professional astron astronomers to track the skies, he he got some data from a whole bunch of astronomers and uh, kind of created a prediction about what's going to happen to this rocket. And he predicted that the the uh, Falcon 9 will hit the moon on the 4th of March, somewhere around the equator on the far side of the moon. So this sucks for a number of reasons. Number one is that there are very few uh, existing craft that are orbiting the moon in that area, um, and they likely won't be in position to observe the impact. Um, the second part that sucks about this is that there is something that is hitting the moon that wasn't meant to hit the moon, um, which uh, is a whole conversation about space junk. Um, and yeah, Gray said that this is the first unintentional, unintentional case that he's aware of where something is going to hit the moon. Uh, he says, I keep track of a dozen or so objects in high near moon orbits, mostly so that the folks looking for asteroids will know where they are and we can ignore them. They're looking for rocks, not junk. In theory, given enough time, such objects will either hit the earth or the moon or gain energy by passing the moon and being ejected into orbit around the sun. This is what happened with uh, China's Chang'e 2 mission last year. Um, they ejected the lander for that for that uh, rover uh, into the sun. Um, so yeah, this is a this is a bit of a bad one. Um, for now, I don't think it's that much of an issue. I say that tentatively because it is an issue that things that humanity uh, has created go out of control and then hits our satellite. Um, yeah, it's it's not a good thing, especially if we are planning to create a moon base. Um, can't really have things like out of control rockets just suddenly hitting the moon um yeah i don't know what the recourse for this is going to be um uh, we were discussing this b before on before we started recording this podcast but um space isn't really owned by anybody or controlled by anybody saying that though the uh, ftc seems to be the only organization that's allowed to tell spacex and similar companies when they can launch their uh, satellites into orbit. But anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Um, yeah, not... Maybe not they should find basics. them. Sorry? Maybe they should just find them. Like, you know, like in Thailand or Singapore, like if you're little or something, you get like a spot find, yeah, like a yeah, crazy yeah. spot find. Just find them. Yeah, I think... And well, then, yeah. The Sorry. thing is, we do have stuff on the moon that it can hit. Yeah. We have the, uh, the reflectors, which, I mean, even... Um, Amateur astronomers can use to gauge how far away the moon is and mm. stuff like that. Um, there's the American flag, which I think has been bleached white um, already, but is still there. Uh, what is, I mean, I think a lot of that is owned by America. What are they going to say if that gets destroyed by Musk's rocket? Are they yeah. going to be like, oh, how bad? <laughs> I mean, I do think that Robin is right. I think that you need to kind of put a fine out there and start taking some real action against people that create space junk. Um, 
there are many, many videos and websites that you can that you can look at uh, that will show you how much junk there is just orbiting Earth. And uh, yeah, I mean, we recently had a situation where Russia decided that the best way to get rid of a satellite was by blowing it up. Um, that's not a good idea in space because there's no gravity. So when you blow things up, you just create millions of tiny pieces of things that then go into orbit around the Earth uh, and can create damage. Uh, the sp- the crew of the International Space Station actually had to take cover after that happened. Um, so yeah, I mean, not good, guys. Do better, SpaceX. Um, yeah, unfortunately, there's no way that they could control it, but I think that those are things that you need to take into consideration. Um, we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, I think once it does impact, if it does indeed impact, uh, we'll provide an update and see what the world's lawmakers have to say. Robin, you've been replaying a game this week. Yes, that's right. Um, so anyone familiar with the Uncharted series will know that it's probably one of the franchises that helped cement the PS4 as one of the better-selling consoles in recent memory. And we got a chance to play Uncharted Legacy of Thieves, Legacy of Thieves Collection, uh, which pairs together two of developer Naughty Dog's uh, more iconic titles, or rather, I should probably rephrase and say it pairs together Uncharted 4 A Thief's End, which is one of the more iconic ones, and then Tax on The Lost Legacy, which was a bit of a mixed uh, kind of release as far as popularity went. Um, So yeah, we've been playing the remastered version, which is exclusive to the PS5. Um, so it will be interesting to see how well this sells, considering that actually getting your hands on a PS5 is really difficult at the moment. Um, that said, uh, we really enjoyed the, the experience. Uh, as far as visual improvements go, a lot of work has been done on the cutscenes, a lot of the larger action sequences and sweeping, I guess, uh, environmental shots uh, at the beginning of chapters and stuff like that. You can see a lot of painstaking work has gone into, into those elements. Uh, and yeah. It was a really nice uh, week worth of gaming that, that we got to experience. Um, I should note, though, that probably A Thief's End for us, well, for me at least, is is perhaps some of the best storytelling that uh, we've seen on a PlayStation console in some time. I would say that perhaps the only one that outdoes it would be 2018's God of War, uh, for obvious reasons, as I'm sure the rest of the, you guys can attest to. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as, as far as what uh, this remaster delivers, uh, it comes in at 900 Rand for, for both games. And I know we've, we've spoken on previous podcasts about pricing for, for uh, properties that are going on to current-gen consoles. And uh, as far as the price goes, it is, I, I think it is, you, can, you probably can stomach it a bit more than a game that costs 1,300 Rand. <laughs> and necessarily isn't as, I guess, uh, memorable as uh, particularly a, a Thief's End is. So, um, like I said, I think we probably have a soft spot as far as that game's concerned. Uh, the voice acting in particular, uh, Nolan North and Troy Baker, who voice the, uh, Nathan Drake and Samuel Drake, the two brothers that kind of form the nucleus of the story throughout the game. Um, I think because they are such good friends off, off I guess, off, uh, out of, out of, in the real world. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> offset, offset Yes, the word you were looking for there. Yeah, so, so I think because they're such good friends offset, um, it really helps to add to the believability of the relationship that you see developed over the course of the game. And you kind of get invested, you get really invested. And I mean, the same goes for Nathan Jake's relationship with his wife. And uh, the couple scenes uh, in the game that kind of expertly show you why you should not lie to your wife. It's just not a good idea. And you also kind of get invested in their relationship and kind of what happens there. And yeah, so I, I know that there's the Uncharted movie that's coming out soon. It's got Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg for some reason. Um, uh, I'm not too sure about the Mark. casting. Mark. Yes, Marky Mark. Mark. <laughs> He of Calvin Klein fame. Yeah. Um, I, uh, the castings aside, I think if uh, the studios can kind of stick to the formula that Naughty Dog have kind of worked on over the f- past few years, it should potentially be a hit. Um, so I'm interested to see what that comes out, what that looks like when it comes out. 
But uh, focusing back on the game itself, uh, I think for anyone that hasn't played an Uncharted game before and you do have, you do for whatever reason have, have a PS5, it is something you should be picking up. I think probably people that have played it before can perhaps wait until the price drops a bit uh, because as far as the experience and what it gives you feeling, Nothing changes, I think, from the previous versions to this remastered version. From a visual perspective, there are improvements, but you're not, for example, getting a, a, better, a, a better experience overall as far as the memories and the, the kind of the lasting effect and lasting appeal of the actual title goes. So A Thief's End, really enjoyed it. Um, it really made me think about how much uh, I love some of the narrative work that Naughty Dog does. Um, Potentially with the exception of The Last of Us Part 2, which was obviously very divisive and it made me feel a lot of things in a very different way. Um, but yeah, The Thief's End really enjoyed. Lost Legacy, it was a little mixed for me, pretty for the fact that uh, there is a, a bit of copy and paste in terms of the formula and storytelling. Uh, I'm not trying to discredit any of the work that the people at Dog did on the actual title itself. But for me, um, the banter between our two protagonists just isn't the same and I understand they're trying to because the characters uh, Chloe Frazier and Nadine Ross who I'll talk about shortly because those characters are almost at odds with one another but are still trying to work together um, there's a bit of uh, jabbing and biting that happens but it just doesn't have the same kind of effect and you don't really pull for them in the same way you do for the brothers Drake so that's probably why it potentially uh, misses the mark as far as the action, as far as the mechanics, as far as gameplay goes. It's pretty much on par with The Thief's End. It's just that the storytelling is a bit better and that's because a big part of it is because of the voice acting. And uh, unfortunately, uh, speaking of voice acting, the Afrikaans accents uh, throughout the games are still cringy, still terrible. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, Nadine Ross's character, who I'm not too sure what her accent is. It's meant to be South African, I think, because the the mercenary group that she represents, Shoreline, is full chock a block full of South Africans with mullets for some reason. Um, so yeah, it's it's not poor voice acting. I just feel like they could have surely you could have hired a South African to do it because I, if I understand correctly, Laura Bailey, who also does the voice of Elena. Uh, Nathan Drake's wife, uh, and she also appeared in a lot of the other Uncharted games as well. She voices Nadine Ross as well, and I don't know. P perhaps it's because I am South African, I can hear it. Uh, mm. You can just hear when, when there's a bad accent. It, it, it's very um, Leonardo DiCaprio in Blood Diamond, and mm. I know people are going to say uh, he's actually Rhodesian in that movie. Uh, fair enough, but you can already you, you can always hear when there's a bad South African accent on on, on screen, and you can hear it here. So that's probably the only negative or the only slight I can I can level against this, against these games um, apart from everything else it is slick it is super polished uh, it looks great provided you have the right kind of hardware to support it uh, there are a bunch of fidelity and performance modes so if you do have a 4k TV you can really kind of get the most out of the experience as far as visuals concerned um, Sony also added a few elements for the DualSense controller, so the, the feedback as far as using different weapons. I must admit that when you're using different types of assault rifles, you don't really necessarily experience that, but uh, there's a distinct difference between, say, a handgun, a shotgun, and an assault rifle. So, so, so there you can, you can kind of feel the differences, but uh, if, you, if you're rolling through your different assault rifles, there isn't much to, to talk about there. Um, yeah, so as far as a, a remaster goes, this is one of the better remasters that you've played. It's simply a case of if you are new to Uncharted, which I don't think a lot of people who own a PS5 would be, uh, then I would say pick it up. But if you do have a PS5, you have played Uncharted games before, you aren't getting anything new as far as a, those long-lasting memories go uh, and the feelings you have once you finish the game. Uh, so yeah, I think it's worth picking up maybe down the line when the price has dropped a little bit more. That said, the price isn't too unreasonable at 900 Rand for a pair of really, really solid uh, PlayStation exclusives. So yeah, I don't know if you guys have any, any questions about them. So yeah, I, um, 
I borrowed the, the PS5, um, I think in like 2019, and I played a lot of the PlayStation exclusives, including this, the original one. Um, and I couldn't finish it because I play games on PC and I can't play a shooting game on a controller. <laughs> so, you know, you laugh. I, I tried so hard. I think I played through like half the game <clears throat> and I got so sick of missing shots or overcorrecting. And I, I know there is an accessibility option in the game, which will basically do auto aim, but it, it just didn't feel right because of that. And I know Uncharted 4 is actually launching on PC. So I don't, under, I don't know if I'm going to go and play it again on PC, but I just want to bring up that I did play this and I was looking so forward to it because I used to be only a PlayStation guy and I played all the other Uncharted's and I loved them, especially Uncharted 2. And then I was kind of heartbroken when my thumbs had uh, <laughs> they'd just forgotten how to shoot with a controller. Um, but I also wanted to bring up, um, please tell me you turned off motion blur while you were playing, Robin. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um, oh, I did notice a bit of it though. Um, so you, when there are, I guess, larger action pieces where um, a lot of the games, things are collapsing. That's just the nature yeah. of, I guess, um, being a relic hunter and going to these really uh, remote places that the structural integrity is uh, lacking. Not up to so code. Yeah, yeah. The, the building inspectors didn't do a good job there. So. Um, Sometimes I did notice a little bit of blur. Uh, I think that also might have to do. Uh, I switched from my TV to a smaller monitor uh, for uh, personal reasons. I don't want to get into it, but uh, I did notice some some blurring on those kind of larger action uh, pieces. But in general, yeah, it was fairly solid on, on that so front. For those who are not aware, um, when the original game came out, it had quite a lot of motion blur, and it just it made the game look awful. Um, the game is one of the best-looking video games ever made by human hands, and then they smeared it with um, with motion blur. Yeah. It's actually a travesty, and the only reason they added an option to turn it off was because people complained so much. And you know, a lot can be said about you know complaining on the internet and stuff like that. But thank God they added the option to turn that off. It's the first thing I did when I played it because I I read so much news about how bad it looks, and then I played it, and I was like, yeah, this looks awful. I I don't understand why most games have motion blur. I, maybe in racing games they help like sell that feeling no. of speed. No, they don't. <clears throat> motion as, blur as, is as somebody who loves racing games. Motion blur just makes me feel sick. Like it's a pox on the industry. Really, it is. I under, I do understand why they do it. It helps with performance. I get it, but uh, for the most part, I don't think it's it's the way to go. Right, from games to streaming services, uh, you might have noticed if you're on Twitter today, uh, that's Bye Bye Spotify and Joe Rogaine are both trending uh, at the time that we're recording this. It uh, might be different by the time you listen to this, but yeah, both of those are, sh- are trending today um, because of something that Neil Young did. Uh, before we begin, Robin, do you know who Neil Young is? I do. He makes music and things like that and do makes... You- Okay. Portable music players that no one uses. The most important question, though, is do you know a Neil Young song? I do. Okay, that's better than me. Clinton, do you know who Neil <laughs> Young is? Uh, yes to know who he is, no to the song part. Okay, cool. So we know who Neil Young is. If you don't know, he's a Canadian-American rocker from many years ago uh, that has decided to take up beef with Spotify. So this week, Neil Young posted a letter to his website uh, that has since been deleted, but thanks to the internet, uh, we had record of this. Uh, As reported by Rolling Stone, I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines. Sorry, let me go back because I don't actually think I explained. Uh, Neil Young said that he he would remove his music from Spotify Uh, if they did not remove Joe Rogan from its platform. The reason? Because he believes that the Joe Rogan experience is spreading misinformation. Um, So to this, Young added, I am doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the the disinformation being spread to them or by them. Uh, Young is referring specifically to Joe Rogan here. Um, And yeah, uh, over the years, Joe Rogan has courted controversy. Uh, I think since he's been on Spotify, though, there's been a 
a magnifying glass placed on the guests that he brings onto your show and the fact that he's quote unquote just asking questions. Um, and rightly so, because Spotify paid a lot of money to get Joe Rogan on their platform. Um, however, I don't think that Neil Young is the person to be trying to uh, make changes at Spotify. To give you an idea very quickly, Neil Young currently has, uh, the number here is 6.1 million monthly listeners. Joe Rogan brings in 11 million listeners per episode of his podcast. So this is kind of like Neil Young is very much punching up, which is a weird statement to be uttering. And I'm sure my my mother and father are cringing into themselves at the, the thought of that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's not really that important to Spotify. I'm not saying that Neil Young is not important to, to the music industry. I'm saying that in the greater scope of things, He's not really that valuable to Spotify. Um, let, let's let's just go around the room. So everybody knows who Neil Young is. Robin, wh what's your opinion of this fight that he has now picked? Um, so I think it has been a long time brewing. Uh, I think earlier in, well, rather in January, we covered a story where doctors had penned an open letter to Spotify asking them to take action over a problematic episode that Joe Rogan uh, released that month, uh, mm. oh, sorry, uh, last year. Um, he had a doctor on who himself was uh, quite controversial, a doctor, Robert Malone, and oh. he was making several claims about uh, people, why people shouldn't be getting vaccinated. He was also talking up the use of ivermectin, as you know, is uh, already, it, it's not useful as far as the treatment for COVID-19 goes. Yeah. And, um, he was widely discredited by the medical fraternity. So I think a group of roughly 270 doctors kind of signed this open letter and asked Spotify to take action, which at the time of recording they did not do. Um, and I think we have an idea of what kind of what Spotify's position is on a lot of things. Um, so in the same story we wrote about this, this open letter, uh, we also wrote about Axios, uh, who interviewed the Spotify CEO, Daniel Ek, uh, last year. And they were kind of asking him around explicit content on, on the platform, specifically music with explicit lyrics. And I, I guess for, if we are generalizing here, we're talking a lot about a lot of hip-hop music uh, yeah. that has a lot of swearing and expletives and whatnot. Um, and his response was rather, it was, it's rather interesting. He said that uh, we have a lot of really paid uh, rappers on Spotify too that make tens of millions of dollars, if not more, each year from Spotify. And we don't dictate what they're putting in their songs either. So it seems like Spotify are taking a very hands-off approach as far as that's concerned. Um, circling back to your kind of question with regards to Neil Young's involvement, I think that, like you said, he is probably, I wouldn't say the wrong person, but he just doesn't have the same pull. Mm -hmm. He isn't an Adele who actually got Spotify to change <laughs> yeah. their, a feature in their UI. In a, a day, Taylor, in a day, yeah. that's... that's Highlight that. <laughs> he isn't a Taylor Swift or Beyonce who have huge cachet as far as influence goes, especially on uh, streaming platforms and when it comes to licensing and rights to music. So, so I understand a Neil Young's position. I'm, I'm, I'm f I fully agree with him as far as Spotify needing to have some kind of uh, policy in place when it comes to content that's put on their platform because Joe Rogan. Uh, whether we like it or not, is huge. Uh, yeah. His influence is massive. Um, so, yes, he's asked, he might be, just be asking questions, but the fact of the matter is he is bringing controversial people onto his platform and giving them uh, essentially a voice. Kind of air all these uh, pretty terrible hot takes and people start acting on it. So, yes, Neil Young should, I think, is in the right-ish I'm quite happy that he's doing what he's doing, but at the same time, he simply doesn't have the influence to stop Spotify at the end of the day or change Spotify's mind as far as how it handles things. Clinton? Yeah, I mean, uh, you brought it up right at the top, Brendan, when you're asking us, do we even know who this guy is? Yeah. If you said it was Adele or Taylor Swift or whoever, then you wouldn't have even had to ask us that. Mm. And this conversation would be completely different. And I think... Uh, this guy's kind of getting dunked on because he's bringing up a, a good point, but he, he kind of doesn't have the clout to uh, to 
give those words any kind of weight. And I think that's a real shame because I do think what uh, Joe Rogan is doing is dangerous. But from the second that Spotify signed him, they obviously pointed out that they're more interested in money than what this guy is actually saying. So mm-hmm. I, I think he's basically untouchable unless a lot of big names come and say, get this guy off our platform. But it will have to be Taylor Swift and Natal and I don't know who else to, to make that happen. Um, I'll get to why I don't think that they will do that a little bit later. But yeah. Well, because they on. probably sign a contract and they'll lose well, all the money anyway. I mean, so. That's why they won't do it. So I do just want to uh, clarify something. So I saw uh, many reports yesterday from a number of publications saying that Spotify was removing Neil Young's music. Now, that's not 100% accurate because. Um, that Neil Young threatened to pull his music from Spotify if they didn't uh, if they didn't remove Joe Rogan. So the decision yeah. is very much his. Uh, to this, uh, Spotify said we re- we regret Neil's decision to remove his music from Spotify, but we hope to welcome him back soon. Um, so I just want to give folks a a an idea. So knowing how much uh, a musician earns per stream on Spotify is very murky business, mostly because Spotify doesn't really tell you what its average is. However, through industry murmurings, there is a figure of 0.04 cents per stream um, on average. So not everybody makes this. This is is the average payout is 0.004 cents per stream, right? So it's not even even a full cent. We are talking about fractions of a cent here. So is it at least American cents? Yes, it's American cents. Okay, so... So Neil Young has over 6 million uh, listeners, which brings him an estimated per month $24,513.99. So by comparison, Taylor Swift has 53,964,491 monthly listeners. She would bring in an estimated $215,857.96. And that's why I don't think that the likes of Taylor Swift, Adele, Beyonce, and whoever the latest hot Doja Cat, I think, is is the, the latest <laughs> person that people like. Um, I don't think that they will leave Spotify because it pays too well. Now, you could say to me, oh, but Brendan, there are so many different uh, streaming platforms. And I agree with you. Yes, there are. But in terms of the amount of music that Spotify has, the reach it has, and the number of users, um, it's a really attractive prospect for musicians that's why you hear folks saying oh get get my track from spotify although i do think that there is sort of a a a growing movement of folks who are buying albums outright from the likes of uh apple music and uh bandcamp and websites such as that amazon music you can also buy mp3s just straight out so i think there is a growing movement of that but I don't know. Do we think that that uh, the musicians of the world are invested enough in um, doing the right thing to kind of say goodbye to the pittance that they are earning from Spotify, Robin? Uh, yes, and no. I think someone like and again we 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 we're trying to we can't really compare art artists on the same level. So someone like Taylor Swift. She can handle a blur like that. She can say, you know what, yeah. I'm pulling out of Spotify because she has so much else that she gets money from. And her fans uh, will follow her anywhere, let's be quite honest. Mm, yeah, Taylor Swift fans, please don't come at me. Those fans are crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, a smaller artist, even, and apologies for saying this, but even smaller than Neil Young, yeah. will really struggle to move from a platform like Spotify. Where, where are they going to go? Pandora. Where can they go? So, Tidal. You go to Tidal, man, where the uh, the flak files are. Yeah. When Kanye, lists, Kanye West leaves Tidal, then you know the Tidal is, is done. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah unfortunately, uh, smaller artists can't afford to kind of take those sacrifices or kind of mm. make those sacrifices purely for the fact that as much as this decision has been uh, motivated by money for Spotify, the decision to kind of pull your content from from the platform is also motivated by money for the artists. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I respect someone like Neil Young taking that move and he can potentially do that because he does have other 
revenue streams. I kind of jokingly made a comment about his media player, but yeah. he does have other he does have other hands and other pies. He has other irons in the fire that he can kind of mm. take care of himself. Uh, other smaller artists don't have that luxury. So, yeah, I, unfortunately, I, I think this will probably be a story for maybe a week or two. But after a while, I think the the fervor around people deplatforming from from Spotify or or uh, uh, deleting the app from their phone, uh, it'll very quickly die down. I, I just want to make it clear. I think we're all in agreement that we don't blame artists that stay on Spotify for the money. Not at I all, mean, not at all. You've got to eat at the end of the day. You've got to pay your bills and you can't do that with exposure. So if you are a smaller artist that's considering staying on Spotify in the face of all this stuff, nobody's judging you here. I mean, it's you got to eat, yo. Clinton, I just want to get your thoughts very quickly yeah. on whether you think I, bigger artists would would leave Spotify. So I want to point out something that we're talking about the uh, the money that the artist makes, and that's important and everything. Mm. But I think another issue is that what about the fans who want to listen to the music? I think people have just come to expect that if I want music, I can go on Spotify and it's yeah. there. So you know, if you're a small artist, you're a big artist, whatever. No matter who you are, I think you're going to find a problem if you try and leave Spotify of um, accessibility for your um, for your music. I mean, I love <laughs> I love using YouTube Music, but if I was an artist and I told my fans to go use YouTube Music, I'd be a boot off the proverbial stage. Yeah. So that's a problem as well. It's not just the money you're making; it's also the accessibility. I, I don't have the numbers, and I don't know how true this is, but I think Spotify is. The like gold standard, it's the public darling for music streaming. Um, a lot of people say, you know, they just talk about Spotify like it's the only place on the internet to legally stream music. Um, and again, it's not, but for many people, it is. Um, just like YouTube is where you go to share videos and stuff like that, mm. um, even though that's changing in recent times. So, yeah, that's a big problem that we have to talk about when you're saying, you know, boycott Spotify and install Spotify and all of that. Um, people people go the path of least resistance and that's always Spotify right now. So uh, it, it would have to take something big. I only think a big change will happen if um, a competitor to Spotify pops up and it's, you know, just balls to the wall amazing and absolutely decimates Spotify. Mm. But I don't think that's going to happen and it's not going to happen overnight. I, mean, I think if it was going to happen, it would have happened already. Um... Although I have joked with uh, friends in the past that if anybody was going to buy Spotify, it would be Apple, because uh, I think that they have the, the gall to do something like that. Although in, in the last month, Microsoft might just buy Spotify. You never know. <laughs> Add it to Game Pass. <laughs> Add it to Game Pass. Um, so Man, yeah, you should use YouTube Music. It's actually really good, and you get it for free. Well, for free, you get it in bundled with YouTube Premium. It's yeah. much better. We'll give it. Uh, People don't give it a chance. It's really good, I think. So I understand uh, Spotify's hesitance to dictate what content its, um, its content creators uh, are allowed to post. I think the, the point about we don't tell our hip-hop artists what they can and can't put into their music, but then you label it as explicit. Um, I think that there is sort of a middle ground for Spotify here, and I think that what it needs to do is it needs to create some sort of chain of accountability, maybe not involving Spotify itself, but kind of the public or the fans of the person and the person creating the content. So, for instance, you could label something from uh, Joe Rogan as saying that this may contain misinformation, just as you can say, well, this this track contains explicit lyrics. Um, and if Joe Rogan wants to get that POC removed from his, his, his posting, then he should do a follow-up where he gets somebody that brings the other side of the story. Because um, I think a lot of the time what the issue is with misinformation is that it's allowed to flourish and go unchallenged, right? A lot of these play, a lot of the uh, the pod bros who host these sorts of podcasts kind of bring on your Robert Malone's, your uh, your Kennedys, the 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 big talking big talking heads within this um, misinformation cycle. They'll bring them on, but then they won't bring on somebody who wants to refute what they have said. And I think that that's where we kind of fall short in this thing. Just. Speaking to a lot of people about misinformation and disinformation, deleting it is not the answer. YouTube has has kind of 
discovered that is that removing the content is not always the answer because it just pops up somewhere else. What you need to do is you need to create a way to say, hey, this ha contains misinformation and here's a rebuttal. Here's other information that challenges what is said here. And then you allow people to make up their mind. This idea of, oh, well, I'm just asking questions. Sure, but you only ask one set of questions and to one set of people. If you want, if you're really serious about getting the full story and just asking questions, you'll ask every single question there is. So I don't buy that argument that, oh, I'm just asking questions. It's, it's, it's a lame excuse. It's something you would say in grade one when you swore at your teacher or something. Oh, I, just, I didn't know. I just, I'm just asking questions. Um, but I, I would just want to move on quickly. Clinton, you mentioned it very briefly is that uh, Spotify is not the only place to stream music. And you went on about YouTube music. Um, do you think that people would move to another place if if Spotify started seeing a max ex, a, sorry a mass exodus of artists? Do you think people would move? No, I mean if um, another site offers a better service, yeah, hundred percent. People again, like I said, people take the path of least resistance, and I don't know what that path would be. I know you go on a music site and it gives you money. I don't know, um, <laughs> gives you an EFT or something. I'm sure people would go. Um, and I think if, for some reason or another, if a lot of big name artists said, oh, we, you know, screw Spotify, we're going to make our own stuff with the blackjack and hookers, and then they make their own um, a, a platform, and then that's what the teenagers really like, and that's what becomes popular, then I can see it happening. I mean, we're seeing it happen now with short form video content on TikTok. Um, TikTok has overtaken YouTube in downloads in a lot of territories, including the US. So, you know, at one point, YouTube was this, was this unassailable monster who you could never fight. And now it's kind of getting its ass handed to it. So mm. as big as Spotify is, nothing lasts forever and something could come. Um, but I don't think this little incident with Neil Young is going to be what barks at. Robin, your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree as far as this not being the watershed moment mm. um, that triggers some kind of change. Uh, if ever there was a mass, ex a mass exodus from, as far as artists go from Spotify, it would have to be uh, money-related or kind of what their share of profits is, is concerned. Um, so, yeah, I don't think this will be... This is not going to be the straw. Also... Um, yeah, sorry. I also think that Spotify gives people a really good deal. Um, I actually feel bad paying as little as I do for Spotify, which sounds unintuitive. But <clears throat> if you think about how much the music industry has gone through, not just in the last decade, but I mean, in the last century, maybe. I mean, we went from, oh, you can have vinyls to people recording songs off of the radio to people just downloading stuff off of the internet. And that was the way people got their music for many, many years. And I think Clinton makes a really good point with the path of least res resistance because Spotify gives you that, right? You don't need to download. Everything is above board. You're not going to some, some dodgy site where you could be downloading malware. Like, it is the path of least resistance. Um, but I do think that artists get a bad deal from Spotify. I will, I will die on that hill um, because I think that they, uh, le paying less than a cent per stream is is quite disgusting. And I get that there is a lot of music uh, and a lot of musicians on Spotify, but less than a cent? Is that really, is, is that really how much you're paying your artists? There's something to be said there. Do you guys think that that's a fair amount? Well, another thing on top of that, Brendan, is I've heard that it's a sliding scale and only the people who are at the top are even earning that. Um, if you just, you know, yeah, some yeah. random guy, you get a few hundred listens per um, per month, you're making even less. So, uh, I don't know, it's a whole thing because people kind of look at it as that's the only money being generated from the song. Mm. But you have to think about it, it has to be stored on a server, you have to pay for the service, you have to pay for electricity, you have to pay for the platform. There's so many other costs aside from you know, just the person making the music. So I don't know if it's fair. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard one artist say Spotify is fantastic and I love how much they're paying me. Yeah. 
So I don't know how big is Spotify's office and how much are they paying their CE levels? You uh, know? Yeah, that that is the question, isn't it? Mm. I'm Robin? sure we out. Um, so yeah, like Quentin said, I don't think you can quantify how much is enough um, for an artist because you don't know how much effort is putting into the actual work that's being listened to. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I think that how much Spotify is paying artists um, has, little, has little to do with the fact that they have kind of been hands-off as far as what content is put on their platform. Mm. Um, because it, it, it can get quite difficult when you're talking about having to police a platform the size of Spotify. Um, you think about how many thousands of hours of content is uploaded every minute on there and who is going to sift through all that to, to ensure that there, there's not information, not misinformation uh, that, that's being spotted because you can't really re- rely on listeners to do that because that system can be very easily abused. Mm. And we already know how taxing it is for moderators to kind of sift through a lot of intense content all the time. So... Yes, Spotify needs to, I feel like taking a hands-off approach is perhaps a little bit too easy for them to do, mm. um, but something has to be done because and I understand that uh, Joe Rogan is the golden boy as far as its plans for podcasts are concerned, and Spotify has some seriously big plans as far as podcasts go, Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think the only time something tangible will happen as far as Joe Rogan is concerned and his involvement in Spotify is if something of a Me Too nature happens. Uh, because regardless of what controversy courts as far as bringing on uh, guests are concerned and spreading misinformation goes, those are still lessons that Spotify profits off of. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't foresee the, the scenario changing. And as far as Spotify paying enough for artists, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of those things that's very difficult to quantify. The final piece of this puzzle is uh, record labels. And uh, if you go to Spotify right now, you'll see that Neil Young's music is still available to listen to. And I think that the reason that it's still available to listen to is that as incest as... Um, as young is um, Warner Brothers, which is his record label, likely enjoy money, so they're not going to let him take his music off of there uh, and stop earning money. So that's the other side of this: is that as mu- whatever artists say at the end of the day, if they are signed to a label, that decision will likely rest with the label. Um, please go and read more about what Taylor Swift did with Taylor's version. Uh, I think that that is a fantastic story of. Uh, throwing the record industry or the music label industry under the bus. Um, and if you hear glee in my voice, that's completely unrelated. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic story of how an artist kind of took their music back and the right to make that earn their music, earn money from their music back. Um, and unfortunately not many people are as wised up about record deals as Miss Swift was. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to this, and I don't think that Neil Young is going to uh, is going to break break Spotify at this point. Um, uh, uh, for many people around the world, it seems like this was the first time they heard of Neil Young. Uh, Google Trend shows that there was a spike in search traffic for just Neil Young uh, this week. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, maybe he'll get more streams as a result of this. Maybe this was all just some publicity stunts. Um, we start seeing more and more artists speaking out about uh, um, Joe Rogan and then suddenly seeing a spike in interest. We'll all have to cast a suspicious eye. Uh, anybody have any closing thoughts, Robin? Um, yeah, I think I've covered uh, most of my thoughts. It's just simply the fact that we often speak about how some companies are too big to fail. Mm-hmm. I think that right now the Joe Rogan experience as a podcast and he as a host mm. is simply too big to de-platform right now. Yeah. I fully agree with you there. Clinton, your final thoughts? 
Man, give YouTube music a try. It's really good. <laughs> Boo him. Boo him. People are listening. Boo, Boo this man. <laughs> Shame. Shame. Uh, my final thought is, uh, you know, if you're going to listen to Joe Rogan, listen to some other people as well. There are lots of great podcasts. Um, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, don't just listen to one source of information, guys. Listen to as many people as you can. Get a full picture for yourself. As I mentioned, a lot of these times you get one side of the story and that's it. Um, and remember, there's always three sides to a story. Yours, mine, and the truth. Um, and that's what I'm going to close on today. Uh, from myself, Brendan Lott, cheerio from Clinton Matos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Cheers. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.